Let me say something else, too, about Mo Pat. Mo has done it all. I mean, he's covered the Titans. He's covered the Vols. He's done high school. He's a fantastic writer and is now actually hosting a talk show every day in Columbia that is outstanding. I said no. Sarah says it has to happen. I'm not going to win that battle. No. But I can tell you that. I'm surprised she even asked you. I, I brought it up. Oh, you brought it I up. Said, I said, we're not now doing Now, why nothing. did you open that door if you didn't want it to be there? I said, we're not doing Elf on the Shelf, right? She goes, oh, we're definitely doing Elf on the Shelf. Who okay. should have been number one all I'm year? not asking you. I, I'm, I'm telling you that Georgia shouldn't have been, and they shouldn't be in the playoff. I would take Notre Dame that, in the playoff you, over you Georgia You know what? Right That's a conversation not even worth having. From preps to pros and everything in between, it's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Live from the Lee Company Studio with the Hall of Famer Mo Patton. Here's Chris Yad. Welcome into a Wednesday edition Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Barn and Joint. Chris Yad, Mo Patton, JP Plant here with you on this beautiful hump day. Got a great show lined up for you. Teresa Walker joining us later in the show. We've got. Plenty of college football to talk about. We'll finally get some we'll get some answers on what the Titans and Preds are doing from Teresa's Well, of course it's Wild and Wacky Wednesday, which includes some college football flavors. So we got a lot to get to. But before we do that, Mo, how are you? It's hump day. Hump day. It's this is kind of like the beginning of the week for us. Our paper is out, so like we caught our breath from getting our paper out. Right, yeah. Tuesday is Tuesday is the day where we just kind of go, and then start again on Wednesday. Yeah, so Wednesday is our Sunday. It is kind of like our Sunday. <laughs> it is, except here on this show, it is still Hump Day. When we get to the other side, it's more fun from here. So. Oh, man. We need to get into some our top stories. We have a ton of them. So in order to do that, we need to quickly give you yesterday's results, today's one-game schedule, and the rundown. This is The Rundown. In girls' basketball action on Tuesday night, Lawrence County defeated Giles County 81-29. It was Columbia Central getting a 58-19 road win at Marshall County. Hampshire defeated Cornersville 69-49. Loretto defeated Richland 71-35. Also in girls' action, Santa Fe fell to McEwen 59-39. Summertown stays undefeated. With a 56-43 win over Creekwood at Summit, 52 Centennial, 24. And Columbia Academy with the game winner at the buzzer, Maddie Lewis, over BGA, 62-59. to In boys' action, it was Lawrence County, 79, Giles County, 43. Columbia Central with a 74-58 win at Marshall County. Hampshire knocking off Cornersville, 56-49. Loretto with a 51-45 win over visiting Richland and Santa Fe. Downs McEwen, 70-44. Summertown Boys, 78. Creekwood, 66. It was Centennial victorious over Summit, 55-46. Independence with a nipping win over Father Ryan, 58-56. Columbia Academy defeated BJ, 86-44. Mount Pleasant down Zion Christian, 50 
to 47. In high school wrestling action, Columbia Central and Marshall County battled to a 30-30 deadlock at Spring Hill. The host Raiders defeated Marshall County 78-6 and Columbia Central 72-12. At Centennial, Independence defeated Overton 54-27 and Northeast 66-12. Summit and doing the doing the thing yeah. in in their duels do, double duel is that what that's no, called No that was not a double duel they not. had four teams and apparently they all wrestled each other A it's double a duel match? It, yeah there you go that was a quad match <laughs> good job Never heard of such oh. didn't know that was a thing It is Summit defeats Dixon County Forest and Antioch Dixon County 51-15 Forest 57-6 and Antioch 72 to 12 in NHL action last night, the Preds beat the team that we most like to see them beat. Right. The Red Wings, 5-2. Sorry, Brady. Nothing personal, strictly business. <laughs> At Madison Square Garden, Tennessee Oof. falls in overtime to Texas Tech, 57-52. to and if you are looking for something to watch on television tonight, the Mavs are at the Grizzlies. That's at 7 o'clock, and it's the only game on the schedule. No high school, no other pro stuff. That's it. So that's going to do it. Only game in town. It's the only game in town or in the state. <laughs> oh, man. That's it for today's rundown. I'm just going to wait. Top stories. Minor League Baseball. Bunch of teams getting sold. I know To who? So, essentially, this... In, like, this um, one conglomerate, right? Endeavor? Endeavor Holdings of some sort? They have purchased nine... Minor league teams, including all four Braves affiliates, Gwinnett, Mississippi, Rome, and Augusta. From the Braves, right? They bought them from the Braves. Maybe the Braves are clearing the deck to pay Freddie Freeman. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get some extra cash. Freeing up some money, yeah. Trying to get some extra cash. Need a little bit more cash fluidity. They're also oh. taking on Cubs AAA affiliate Iowa, Yankees AAA affiliate. I hate that they do Scranton first because I've always known it as Wilkes Bear Scranton, not Scranton Wilkes Bear. I've never known it as anything other than Scranton Wilkes Bear. That's but, I don't know. At, at any rate, the Cardinals AAA affiliate Memphis, the Yankees High A affiliate Hudson Valley, and the Giants Low A affiliate San Jose. Uh, apparently, they are also in the in negotiations to uh, purchase a handful of other significant franchises, and uh, it, it expects to announce quote in due course. So, love to know what the rationale is behind right. them buying them. Mark at- Shapiro, I'll just read you his quote. Mark Shapiro, who is the president of Endeavor, uh, and he's held executive positions at Six Flags and at ESPN. So I guess he knows about entertainment. We're 
we're building, I guess, Six Flags in Atlanta. You can just put those two together. You get a Six Flags ticket and a Stripers ticket. There you go. All in one day. Just as we've done with the UFC, PBR, and Euro League, we see tremendous potential to turbocharge these storied clubs using the scale and capabilities of Endeavor, our expertise across sponsorship sales, event operations, licensing, marketing, blah, blah, blah. Basically, they think they can make money with minor league clubs. That's the rationale. They think they can actually make money. Well, there you go. And maybe they can. Perhaps. That'd be great for these minor league clubs. I mean, instead of getting the, and I I, I don't want to say the cast-offs, but instead of getting, you know, maybe interns here and there who are looking or, or, or working with big clubs and that sort of thing instead of maybe using the the big clubs other people there's they can focus maybe they can hire people who are focusing on this particular club i, I don't know how it works but to me it feels like a uh it it well i mean i guess it doesn't matter there's 10 year contracts with my, with major league baseball at this point so maybe the longevity was appealing to Endeavor Holdings, Diamond Baseball, what? Diamond Baseball Holdings. Certainly will be interesting to um, keep an eye on. <laughs> that it will. Um, we 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 talked up the officials yesterday, Mo, and unfortunately today. Some Missouri officials, football, high school football officials, are catching some heat as well they should. Um, I'm pretty sure it's actually the same crew that was in the Belk Bowl when Tennessee and North Carolina played. Is that right? Tennessee and North Carolina had 12 men on the field. Yeah. Do, do you remember that, JP? It was either the Belk Bowl or the Music City Bowl. It was one of the two. They yeah. played North Carolina. It was Dooley, yeah, I remember Derek that. Dooley. I think it was a Music City Bowl. I think it was, yeah, UT in North Carolina here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> either way. <laughs> it's cropped up again, huh? Apparently, in it's like thir- fourth and goal from the one, and they run a play with 12 men on the field. I mean, as they're running off, you stop the video and count the players. There's, there's certainly 12. It's not even close. I mean, and nobody caught it. Nobody flagged them, which – as we found out, is a 15-yard penalty. If you play, if you run the play with 12 men, it's 15. If you just break the huddle with 12, it's only five. It's a big difference. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so the Missouri team wins high school, and the association, the high school association basically said, sorry, can't change the result. That's... That's like those letters that the SEC office sends out on yeah. on Monday or Tuesday. Hey, we blew it. Sorry. Nothing we can do about it now. How do you feel if you're one of those kids, though? Well, I mean, the, the sad thing is, and and obviously, we like officials. Um, this would be a good time to plug the podcast behind the call with Maurice Patton, but. You know, we tell teams, we tell coaches that one call does not 
decide a contest until you see one call decide a contest. Yeah, I mean, the other team was winning. This was a game winner. And that's tough. It's tough to to accept if you're the losing team. It, for me, it would be tough to accept now. Going, I mean, maybe not in the moment. You don't realize that you know you won it unfairly. It's I think twelve versus eleven is unfair. <laughs> I guess that's one way to put it. Uh, but you know, I I would probably feel bad to some degree if I were the winning team. So. Because who's to say they wouldn't have scored with just 11? So you can't say, well, there's no way they would have scored because we don't know that. Right. They may have. Heck, one guy might have just been over there chilling and didn't even block. I don't know. Well, you'd, you'd like to see it officiate it correctly and just see what happens. So. No question. Um, Hersey Miller's in the transfer portal. With his two million dollar NIL deal, does that still does that stay? I guess it does. As long as he, you know, lands somewhere. I saw a statistic today that said seventy two percent of kids who are in the transfer portal in twenty twenty one do not have a home. Now I don't know if that's just football. There's a lot of people going into the transfer portal that ain't coming out. At least not at the level you were at. Certainly. And, again, I'm I'm one of those – I used to be one of those people that felt like, you know, if things aren't going the way you want them to in terms of depth chart and that type thing, work harder, do better. But something kind of brought me around to the idea that, you know, not – that that opportunity does not exist for everybody, and you've only got four years. Get somewhere where you can play. I agree with that. You know, maybe you go somewhere and then there's a coaching change and, and systems change and you're not a fit. You know, maybe academically it's not a fit for you. There are a number of reasons that maybe a 19- or a 20-year-old shouldn't necessarily be held to the decision-making process of a 17-year-old. I agree. So, you know, you only get four or five years. Make the most of it. And if that takes going somewhere else to do it, do that. But make because sure you can. Because college athletics is hard enough when you're happy doing it. But make sure you can. Well, otherwise and, and maybe know. that's how you find out that you can't. Okay, I'm I'm out here, but nobody wants me, so maybe it's time for me to – I mean, there's plenty of places you can go that, you know, or, I'm sure. But maybe it's just time for me to go play in a murals. Maybe. <laughs> Two things. UT Southern Soccer, national champs in NAI. That's the good news for the Firehawks. The bad news is basketball player Riley Long suffered a knee injury, and uh, she will be out indefinitely. So that's unfortunate. But congrats to the Lady Firehawks who – Won the NAI National Soccer and, Championship. And won them in Orange Beach, Alabama. Is there a better place to win a national championship? I not, think not. Not at all. Not at all. When we come back, we're going to talk about some college football coaching, but not coaching searches, but just a question I want to get to. So stick around. 
Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Festop Markets is a full-service, family-owned convenience store chain located in 14 locations throughout Middle and West Tennessee. For those in our listing area, you can find them in Columbia, Centerville, Lawrenceburg, Spring Hill, Dixon, and White Bluff. Fast Stop partners with wholesale fuel brands like Shell, Marathon, and Exxon, delivering a consistent customer experience that is fast, friendly, and clean. If it's not already, it will soon become your go-to store to shop in town or on the road. Fast Stop Markets is proud to be keeping you moving in Tennessee. Keep your home as comfortable as possible. If you have any issues with your air conditioner, electrical, or plumbing systems, call Lee Company. Our techs use visual findings and other technology tools to add transparency and clarity. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on the roof. We're here 24-7, so if you need us, call us. Lee Company, call 931-548-4448 today or schedule your appointment at LeeCompany.com. That's LeeCompany.com. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic injuries and our OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Sports talk like it used to be. You know, like your crazy uncle used to listen to. Only better. Here's Chris and Mo. Well, Mo. The valley is We have an answer to a question I haven't asked yet, but we have asked on the show at least four times now. Jake McNamara has officially decommitted from Colorado State. Via tweet. Hang, hang on a minute. <laughs> That's going to be. A, Guess they're not working. Told you so. Or <laughs> oh, man. Always got notes. You got notes? You got notes? You got what? receipts. <laughs> Jake told him after the game I'm committed to them, they're committed to me. I did read that story, Mo, because you gave me stuff for not reading before. <laughs> what do you say? After the Class 5A state championship game. I am 100% committed to Colorado State University, and that goes both ways. His tweet today, Life comes at you fast. Well, you know, that was after Adazio was fired, not after. Have they hired a coach? Yeah, they hired Oh, they hired Jay, Nor- Jay Norvell. Right. So maybe he and Norvell didn't think. Or maybe Norvell just said, you know what? I'm going to recruit my own quarterback and you're not it. 
Thank you to the former coaches and staff at Colorado State for giving me the opportunity to play football. I've decided to decommit and reopen my recruiting 100%. I don't think that's I don't think that was a Jake McNamara decision. I don't either. Based on What was what, his, I, what I just read to you? It, we believe it to be his only FBS offer, right? He had some other FCS. Did he? We were having we were I, having that conversation. I believe it to be his only offer. Well, that's what I thought too. But then, uh, Main Street Preps writer Tyler Palmatier said that he had he had seen that he had at least a couple of other offers, but they were not. They certainly weren't. You know, FBS. I don't believe mm-hmm. based on. Eastern Kentucky and Utah State. Utah State's FBS. They are. Uh, Eastern Eastern Kentucky Kentucky is not. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) Colorado State and Utah State each have six quarterbacks. Eastern Kentucky has two. Hello, Richmond. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever been to Richmond? (laughs) Not not that one. The other one. (laughs) I, I mean, here's the thing. If this could have happened at any other time, no better time to have happened right after he almost led his team to a state championship and looked pretty good doing he's it. He's got some numbers and he's got some film that somebody's going to be interested in seeing. I think so, too. Now, so, you know, it – and it may be ba- – sometimes things work out for the best. And him not being at Colorado State might not – May not be a bad thing when it all shakes up. Yeah, because that kid can play, and and I can't think that Colorado State was the only place he could play. No, it certainly wasn't. His skill set just lends itself to, you know, to so much, and I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I I think he is a better fit at the FCS level, just size wise. Mm-hmm. But I mean. But at the same There's time, not much difference I, between I the th- Mountain West. And- but I think I think at the FCS level, he's he's a difference maker. I agree. So, yeah, he may just be another quarterback at the, which I think the Mountain West and the A Sun are probably pretty close. Outside of you know the extra scholarships, there, for the most part, they'd probably be competitive against one another because half of the Mountain West used to be the WAC, which is now. You know, half of those are FCS. So, I don't know. Doesn't matter. In in a in a year from now, he, I think Jake McNamara will look back and laugh at this whole thing and go, "Man, I, I almost had to play at Colorado State." Hello. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I heard a question today, and I wanted to pose this to you guys because it's ironic because you don't think of it this way, but. It appears that Oregon, the football job at Oregon, has become a stepping stone job. They've not had a coach in Eugene for longer than four years in the last decade and a half. I I was watching either last weekend, 
which doesn't feel right, or the weekend before, but I was watching some, either a studio show or a or a ball game. Mark Helfrich was either doing analysis or color, and I had forgotten about him actually being, being at Hel- Oregon. But he's the guy that preceded Chip. Right. So he's kind of the guy that got it all started to some degree. And then it was Chip. Then it was Taggart. Is For that a year. right? They before he jumped. Taggart. One year of Taggart before he – because that was Western Kentucky to Oregon to Florida, Florida State. State. Yeah. Okay. So – and then was Cristobal after – Taggart, how long, or was there somebody in between? How long has Cristobal been at, at Oregon? Not terribly long. Two how, or three, I think. Four. Four? He's been, he was there as long as Chip Kelly was, but it doesn't feel like it, does it? Mm-mm. Felt like Chip Kelly was there for ten years. But he wasn't. He was only there for four. Okay, so Helfrich retired? Helfrich retired four years. Why? I mean, he's not an old dude. Okay, so Kelly comes in. Where had he been? Had he been OC at Oregon? You know what? That's a good question. I, I believe I think that's the way was. that was. I think he was OC under Helfrich. He was, in fact, the OC from 07 to 08. He was at New Hampshire before that. Had never been a head coach. He went from New Hampshire. And he's from the New England area. He went from New Hampshire's offensive coordinator, which under that coach that just that retired. Just retired. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about last week, uh, Oregon's offensive coordinator for just two years before becoming the head coach, uh, where he was for four years and then the Eagles. Right. Okay. That's, that is a heck of a career trajectory, folks. Yeah, from New Hampshire, OC, to Oregon, OC, to Oregon head coach, to the NFL. <laughs> where, he, where he promptly bombed, by well, the way. you know. Okay. So, so then it's Taggart, right? For one year. For one year. And then... Cristobal. Are we sure there's not somebody between Taggart and Cristobal? Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's nobody between Kelly and Taggart? That's correct. I mean... Okay, so Kelly jumped out of there to the NFL. Taggart jumped out of there to go to Florida State. And then Cristobal... Yeah. Stepping stone. That doesn't make sense to me. Somebody, and this was hilarious, somebody said, I don't know how Cristobal got to Miami. Don't you have to get past Utah to do that? <laughs> Which I thought was clever maybe, and hilarious. Maybe, maybe he took the Danner pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He didn't have to go through Utah. Guess not. Wow. That's rough. I mean, it's accurate, kind of funny, but rough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just thought that's interesting. It doesn't make any sense to me that that a job like Oregon, that which I'm sorry, Chip Kelly was first, by the way, then Helfrich. Um, so who was I didn't Chip Kelly? Oh, that uh, I, I didn't think that that was time. Bilotti was the coach. Yeah, Mike Bilotti. Yeah, Mike okay. Chip was his OC. Okay, there we go. And then, so, and then had, so Helfrich took Kelly's place. In 13 to now 16. What, so what did Helfrich do? Just just dipped? Because he didn't go anywhere else. Uh, that's correct. 
Uh, he was the offensive coordinator for the Bears for two years, apparently. Yeah, that's speaking of stepping stones. <laughs> Again, I mean, an, an, a stepping stone to the NFL or to a team in Florida, one of the two. Oregon, Oregon said, we're not hiring anybody with connections to Florida ever again. If you've ever been to Florida, you're not getting this job. <laughs> if you've ever thought about going to Florida, <laughs> you're not getting this job. So so who was before Mike Bellotti? That would have been Rich Brooks, oh, you're looking which at was the too. good time. Yeah. That, Rich Brooks, ironically, you know, that's, that's kind of where, which I know his Kentucky time, mm-hmm. but, like, that's who I think about in my head when I'm thinking about Oregon football, I guess that's because that's the first name I remember hearing. I just remember. Or maybe it was when they, when Kentucky hired him, I thought. I think that's what it was. That's probably when Rich Brooks came onto your radar and um, the job that he did at, at Kentucky. I mean, pretty much everything that, that Mark Stoops has done there has kind of been built on Mm -hmm. the success that Rich Brooks had there. So, Mike Bellotti, I think, you know, he's longevity-wise, obviously the most successful. I mean, Chip Kelly went to four different BCS games. And went 0-4. Uh, no, he went 2-2. Two two. They um, they won the 2012 Rose Bowl over Wisconsin. And they won the – I'm sorry, 20 – yeah. And then the 2013 Fiesta Bowl – over Kansas State. But he lost the BCS National Championship game because the kid from Auburn rolled over the defender. <laughs> I don't know if you are reading the the Wikipedia am, on Oregon football, but check out the first paragraph of the Rich Brooks era. You're going to oh, be – No, I did, I'm not reading the oh, Oregon. Okay. Well, I was looking at their list of coaches. Oh, okay. Um, whoever the – Athletics director was at the time Rich Brooks was hired in 1977. Um, had been rebuffed by Bill Walsh, who took the Stanford job, and Jim Mora, who withdrew his name from consideration because he considered the job a dead end. Kane appointed UCLA assistant and Oregon State graduate Rich Brooks as 20 as Oregon's 29th head football coach, over finalist Monty Kiffin, mm. and Ray Green. Really? Huh. So, Ray Green was almost the head coach at, at Oregon. Oregon. Yep. In Kinda 1977. That's my homie. Yeah. That's my dude. I knew you'd get a get a oh, kick out of that. Love some Ray Green. Um, I just, you know, the next person you hire has to have a Oregon tie. You've got to be an Oregon guy or Chip Kelly, right? I mean, you can you can hire Chip Kelly and feel good about it because he's not going back to the NFL. Can you pry Chip Kelly out of UCLA? Man, you giving me the choice of LA or Eugene? It's not no choice. I mean, I guess yeah. it depends on where you think you can recruit better, though. And apparently, L.A. not an easy place to recruit. I, I don't understand I would, why. But I would think, though, especially as as NIL comes more into play. Being in L.A. makes more sense mm-hmm. because you become a much more valuable commodity in that city. 
than you are in Eugene, Oregon. Although perhaps Nike U. Well, not just that, but I think I think the people in Eugene are ingrained in Oregon football. The people in LA, meh. Flavor of the week. Yeah. If you're good, they'll yeah, show up. If we're, we're with you winter tie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's so maybe maybe it's better to be in a place like Eugene as far as the college football landscape is concerned. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's clearly not better than the NFL or Florida. <laughs> it's 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 <laughs> gonna it's, it's gonna be fascinating to see what direction they go in to fill that position. And I guess with with Venables getting Oklahoma and with some of these situations settling down now, Oregon is kind of the last chair in the musical chairs game, isn't it? I mean, what else is out there? Yeah, and I don't think they're I don't think they're gonna be hiring anybody unless it's Chip Kelly, they're not hiring anybody away from a power five team. Cause I don't know who else would go there. Yeah. But that's is that the only power five opening at this point? Believe it is. Virginia Tech. Virginia Peacock Brent that's right. They, they that's right, they did. They brought they and, and they just hired former Vanderbilt linebacker Chris Marv as their defensive coordinator off the staff of um Florida State. Interesting. So yeah, I guess it is the only is Duke hired a coach yet? They have not. Not that I'm aware of. There you go. So Duke Oregon and Duke. That's other sides of the country. <laughs> Which one are you going to go take? <laughs> oh, man. We'll be back. We, the SEC football awards were handed out last night. We'll talk about those and some other awards, like the Frank Broyles Award. I thought that was an interesting uh, choice for that winner. So we'll be back after this on Southern Middle Genesee Sports Today. Stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Festop Markets is a full-service, family-owned convenience store chain located in 14 locations throughout Middle and West Tennessee. For those in our listing area, you can find them in Columbia, Centerville, Lawrenceburg, Spring Hill, Dixon, and White Bluff. Fast Stop partners with wholesale fuel brands like Shell, Marathon, and Exxon, delivering a consistent customer experience that is fast, friendly, and clean. If it's not already, it will soon become your go-to store to shop in town or on the road. Fast Stop Markets is proud to be keeping you moving in Tennessee. Keep your home as comfortable as possible. If you have any issues with your air conditioner, electrical, or plumbing systems, call Lee Company. Our techs use visual findings and other technology tools to add transparency and clarity. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on the roof. We're here 24-7, so if you need us, call us. Lee Company, call 931-548-4448 today or schedule your appointment at LeeCompany.com. That's LeeCompany.com. Hey, folks. While we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader-building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game. You can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic injuries and our OrthoQuick walk-in service lets you bypass the ER. 
Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. the teams you care about it's southern middle tennessee sports today once again live from the league company studio with the hall of famer mo Patton. here's chris yow welcome back in southern middle tennessee sports today presented by mid-tennessee bone and joint interesting uh question here from our friends at outsider West Blankenship and the folks. Your buddy wants the full college football experience. Which game are you taking him to? A snowy day in Ann Arbor. An afternoon at Bryant Denny. Saturday night in Death Valley, Baton Rouge version. Or Army Navy. It'd be one of the latter two for me. And I've not been to either. But... I've been to one of the four. I've been to Brian Denny. Not a big fan of the afternoon at Brian Denny. And the college football experience. And, you know, the experience. To me, a an afternoon game in Oxford would be a closer to the last two for me. Yeah, uh, I am... Um... I would lean away from Army Navy just because it's I mean it's it's Annapolis, it's West Point, it's Philadelphia, it's Baltimore, it's December, it's cold. So Well, and not just that, but I don't know I understand the pageantry of the game, mm-hmm. but I don't know that you get the full college football experience like I don't you think do you, no. in Death Valley. Because when you're talking about the full Experience. I think you talk. I think a competitive contest, a riveting contest, weighs in there at some point. And while there is a lot of pageantry involved in the Army Navy game and that kind of thing, the game itself is inconsistent. You get some great ones. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen you some great do, ones. but you get some dogs too. I think a Saturday night in Baton Rouge and everything leading up to it. That would be it, my, that would it, that would have been mine too. If you're if you're in shape for it, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but yeah, I think that would be bucket list fodder right there. No question. Interesting question. Uh, yeah. Last night, Josh Gaddis, former wide receivers coach under Nick Saban, was awarded former wide receivers coach under James Franklin at Vanderbilt. Was he? Yes. That's awesome. He was any relation to Joe? Probably not. No, wrong spelling. Uh, no. <laughs> Two T's. Oh, it's Gattis, not Gattis. Yeah, Gattis, yeah, yeah. not Gattis. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> officer, throw, throw, throw an apostrophe in there. It'd be Gattis, <laughs> like Mister. Uh, Offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach at Michigan was awarded the Frank Broyles Award, which goes to the nation's top assistant coach Do which is a heck of a trajectory from almost getting fired after last year do we know who the other finalists were uh i i do in fact uh know who the other finalists were but you'll have to give me just a second 
because um, I only had the I only had the uh, winner up. So maybe I don't have the finalists. I know Jim Knowles was one, but that's the only one that I know of. Who is the Oklahoma State defensive coordinator? Or was the Oklahoma State defensive coordinator now Ohio State defensive coordinator, right? I believe so. <laughs> the other finalists were Baylor OC, Jeff Grimes, Georgia DC, Dan Lanning, Oklahoma State DC, Jim Knowles, and Wake Forest OC, Warren Ruggiero. Solid list. Surprise when Lanning you, didn't win. I'm sorry? Surprise Lanning didn't win unless they voted for it after the <laughs> SEC championship game. Because they've got internet. <laughs> have internet where who votes for the Frank Broyles Award? Is it like a panel or is it It's a good question. Like that's that's kind of the I have no idea who even votes for that award. It's not a I my guess is that they have a committee. Um let's see. Yeah. The Broyles Award was established by former Razorback football player and KATV contributor David Bazell in ninety six to recognize Coach Frank Broyles' legacy of selecting and developing great assistants during his time as head coach at Arkansas. It's grown to become one of the most respected and prestigious honors in college football. A selection committee of distinguished former head head coaches, broadcasters, and a committee representing the Football Writers Association of America were charged with selecting the winner, finalists, and semifinalists. Okay. The 2020 winner was then Alabama offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian, now Texas coach. So, All right. So anyway, I just thought that was a unique, it's fascinating thing that he went from almost getting fired, Jim Harbaugh having to take a pay cut, and he he went from almost getting fired along with the rest of his. Co-workers. It's wild. Yeah. To a berth in the CFP semifinals. Look at there. Number two in the country. Look at there. Look at there. SEC football awards were handed out today. And Alabama racked up. Surprise, surprise. Offensive player of the year, Bryce Young. Defensive player of the year, Will Anderson. Special teams players of the year, Jamison Williams from Alabama and Velas Jones from Tennessee. Um, interesting that Jamison Williams wins this award after having been kicked out of the Auburn game because of a special teams play. But hey. <laughs> it's not a one-play award, Chris. I feel like you should be able to be the player of the year if you – had to cheat to – I'm kidding. Just giving them a hard time. Bayless Jones with the – you know, got to gotta be excited for that kid. Uh, much better than being at USC, I think. Freshman of the year, Brock Bowers from Georgia. Scholar athlete of the year, Tyler Beatty. I believe it's From Beatty. Missouri. Jacobs blocking trophy, Darian Kennard, Kentucky. And coach of the year, Kirby Smart. Not so. Now, Smart. explain <laughs> explain how this happens. When, when did they vote on this award? 
last week. Clearly. It was Friday, right? Prior to Saturday's events. Dismantling of Kirby Smart. Mm. It's amazing Uh, how Mark Richt won that award. I guess we'll see when they play Michigan if Georgia is broken or not. Look, I'm just going to keep spouting this information. I I still don't understand what Georgia did to deserve a spot in the playoff other than being the SEC. I got nothing. I still can't figure it out. Chris, they were number one in every ranking except the last one. But why? Tell me why. Because they're in the SEC and they were undefeated? Because they beat Clemson? Which was their best win of the year, by the way. Three-win Clemson who didn't so make the ACC who, championship Who should have been number one all I'm year? not asking you. I, I'm, I'm telling you that Georgia shouldn't have been, and they shouldn't be in the playoff. But, I would take Notre Dame that, in the playoff over know, Georgia You know what? Right now. That's a conversation not even worth having. It's really not. Give me – the resume of Georgia, and tell me why they deserve to be in the playoff. What did Kirby Smart do other than win games he was supposed to win? Why is that not enough? Because he lost the one against the other team that he needed to win. The best the uh, the best team they played all year got absolutely trounced. I'm not going to entertain trounced. this. I'm truly not. Well, if If you want to have a monologue about it, go ahead. I'm done. There, I'm not the only one who has had this monologue today, which is I've already had this conversation once with a lot of people in this room. We've had Ain't this but three of us. <laughs> We've had this conversation. And I've still not gotten a good answer other than, well, they were number one all year. Why, why does being in the SEC make you Worthy of being number one. I don't know that being in the SEC is making them worthy of being number one, but they were number one all year. Whether they were in the Pac-12 Conference USA or whatever, they were number one all year long. I don't know how you can judge a team off of one game, unless it's Cincinnati. So and, me, and that's the same thing you've been spouting all year about so let them. Me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Why wasn't Oregon number one? They had the best win of the year for five weeks. Because they had an L in their column. No, no. For five weeks, they did not. They had the best win of the year for five weeks. And guess who was number one? So don't tell me if they were in the Pac-12, it wouldn't have mattered because that's bullcrap. That's where you start. That Oregon was in the top ten. Georgia was ahead of them. It doesn't matter. Georgia beat nobody. You're asking a question. I'm giving you the answer. It's a... That's the answer. That's the problem. Is it's where you start, right? That's the answer. Yes, that is has a lot to do with it is where so you start. So we need to fix that part. Which, to your conversation of fixing that, is, I think, a reasonable conversation to have. I just don't... I, if Georgia were Oklahoma State, If Oklahoma State had been undefeated going into the Big 12 championship game and had they lost to Baylor as they did, they would not be in the playoffs. It's a lot of ifs. It's one if. If they had not lost to Iowa State, they still wouldn't be in the playoffs. Tell me I'm wrong. 
with three top 15 wins, they still wouldn't have been in the playoff. But Georgia would with their one top 20 win over Clemson, who, by the way, wasn't ranked in the college football playoff until literally week 13. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sick of hearing about SEC bias until I see SEC bias. Now, I understand the Southeastern Conference has built a reputation. They've built a reputation of, we are the best because we beat the best. And for the last 10, 12 years, they've done that. But when Georgia gets beat by Michigan, it's only going to make things worse for the SEC. Just like when Cincinnati gets beat by Alabama. Do you think Georgia's going to lose to Michigan? I do. I certainly think they could. I didn't think they could on the way home from Chattanooga. The more and more I look at this, the more and more I look at these two teams, I think Georgia is in trouble. But much like Cincinnati's in trouble, and the group of five, because Cincinnati's going to get drubbed, and when that happens, when both of those things happen, then the SEC has to be held to account. Why do we take two SEC teams? But until it happens. Also, we had this conversation, and we got a minute left, but why can't the two SEC teams play back-to-back? Why are we giving them the opportunity to play an all-SEC championship, national championship game when we could just have them play again to figure out which one is the better two? and then play the the better of the rest of the country. It's the SEC versus the field, right? So they can get a second-place trophy? Not like they want it anyway. So, I, I mean, it would have been cool to have them play at Dallas, right? Okay, we just played in Atlanta. Let's go to the other side, play in Dallas, and then we'll see who we play for the national championship. But we keep saying, well, they're not going to make them play twice. Well, why not? Maybe they should. Anyway. Teresa Walker comes to the other side of the break. It's going to be a lot of fun because there's some free agency. Not free agency. I guess he's a free agent now. He's been released. Some questions. Potential options for middle linebacker. Who knows? Stick around. She joins us on the other side of the break after this.